Well, in the month of October here, we're talking about the idea of mission critical. Um, if, you, if you missed last week's message, I just want to encourage you, it really sets the tone for the rest of, of the month, and um, you can find uh, those messages on our website, or you can find them on Facebook um, or you can find them on YouTube. You can find them all sorts of places. Um, but we're going to talk today about our mission strategy. And um, our strategy, when we talk about missions and we talk about strategy, a word, that, a phrase that you'll hear us mention a lot is the, the phrase kingdom builders. And kingdom builders, when we talk about kingdom builders, we are talking about um, foreign missions, uh, overseas. We are talking about local outreaches here in our own community and everywhere in between. So that phrase kingdom builders is something that we use a lot. But today I want to start with talking about a global strategy. Because you might wonder, how, how did we really come up with an idea of what ultimately uh, that strategy should be? And so what I want to do is take us to the New Testament because we're going to look at a model that exists between Paul and the Philippian church. That's the model. That's, the, that's where we get our strategy for missions. And so uh, I want to look at, at Acts chapter 16. And in Acts chapter 16, Paul had a vision. Okay? Now that word vision, maybe it, maybe it was a dream. Maybe he was sleeping and it's something that happened uh, while he was sleeping. Maybe he was awake and, and there was just something that the Holy Spirit uh, put in his mind of a, a picture um, of something happening. But in this vision, um, God showed him a man. A man appeared to him and begged him, begged him. Now, we've been taught in our culture that begging is not something that we do. We, we don't beg. But in Acts chapter 16, this, this man appeared to Paul in his vision, and he begged him. And in Acts 16, verse 9, it says, Come over to Macedonia and help us. This was the vision that Paul received. You know, I'm, I'm thrilled that God is still speaking this way to people today. The missionaries that, that we have had here recently can all point to a fact, point to a, a time in their life when God spoke to them and called them. That is something that at, today I want us to grab a hold of. God is still doing that today. And that's exactly what happened in, uh, in Acts chapter 16. Well, Paul, what Paul does is Paul concluded at that moment, that this was the Holy Spirit, this was God, and that he needed to be obedient to that call. He needed to be obedient, and so Paul literally got up the next morning and said, we're going to Macedonia. It was that fast. It was not this, this I mean, it, it was right now. There was no, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray about it. I'm going to, let's, let's just, you know, let me, let me think on it for a while. He immediately concluded, this is God, and I need to go. And he got up and he went. So he goes into Macedonia, and the first place that he stops is a city that is a well-known, very, uh, it's called a leading city in that country. And the city's name is Philippi. 
He stops in Philippi, and within two days, he's already experiencing people accepting the message of the gospel, and he starts a church in the home of a woman named Lydia. And so we're already seeing this model begin to take shape. The model of God calling someone to go, and then they go, and then the Holy Spirit produces the fruit. And the fruit is, the, is really the confirmation that God is in this model. God is in this strategy. So this begins a relationship that Paul has with those people, that church, the Philippian church. It's a relationship that lasted for the rest of Paul's ministry, for the rest of his life, which was about 10 years And that relationship proved to be extremely important to Paul. Look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 14 to 16 there. There are some things that I I want us to look at because they're extremely important. There's a few phrases in those verses. In verse 14, Paul says to the, the people of the Philippian church, "...yet it was good of you to share in my troubles." There was a relationship here that was taking place. And and look at what he says. Moreover, as you know as Philippians, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one, uh, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. This is the model. The model is that God calls. God confirms that call. People go. The Holy Spirit produces the harvest. And it is the local church that partners together with that called individual to send them. So you have a relationship that takes place here. In, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 2, Paul is writing to the Corinthians and he's mentioning the Macedonians. He said in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Paul is acknowledging that these people from the Philippian church, these people from the, 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 the Macedonian uh, nation and area, they're, they're not, it's, it, they don't have a lot. In fact, they're going through a severe trial. They have extreme poverty, and yet their generosity welled up as they supported the work that Paul did. The Macedonians and the Philippians, they they bought into this vision of being kingdom builders. Not building their own kingdom, but building God's kingdom. And in order for us to become kingdom builders, we need to buy into this model that God is still calling people today. I believe that I, I've heard Nikki mention, Nikki Murray mention uh, that, that she felt called to be a missionary at, when she was like three or four years old. I mean, it was, it was extremely, I mean, I can't remember being three or four years old, but, but if something happened to me like that, I probably would be able to remember that. But it was like a really young age that, that God was impressing on her heart. And what does she do now? She's in missions. God is still calling people. 
God is still working through his Holy Spirit. He is still, and and it doesn't, you know, you say, well, did they have a vision? That's not the important part. The important part is that God is still calling people. He still confirms that. He still produces fruit in another country through people that answer that call. And he still uses churches and people just like us to support those people in that ministry. It's a go-send partnership, and in that partnership, there's three crucial activities I want to touch on those this morning. First activity is this, prayer support. Um, We heard from Brandon Powell earlier this month, and I I want you to think, okay, they they have uh, two two daughters and then a little boy, and... I think we should just pray for everybody that has three kids. You know, I mean, let alone leaving, leaving home, going to Thailand for the purpose of spreading the gospel. And don't forget, you have to learn Thai. You have to learn Thai in order to do it. And, and I, I reached out to Brandon. I said, Brandon, <clears throat> can, you, can you jot me a line and, and tell me how important prayer support is for you guys? Here's what he writes back to me. Faithful prayer from our sending churches is the fuel that keeps us going. We rely on the prayers of the saints from across the world to partner with the Holy Spirit to push back the darkness in our personal lives and in the lives of those to whom we are led to share the gospel with. Your body must be, your body may be stationed in America, but your spirit joins the battle alongside us in the spirit realm. That's part of the partnership. When we pray for our missionaries, oh, thank you very much. I I never put two and two together that I'm gagging and choking and that I need a drink of water. Thank you very much. We don't necessarily put that together, but when we pray, we are partnering with our missionaries. We are coming alongside them, and there's an impact in the spiritual realm that takes place. In Philippians chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, Paul says this, Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and provision, and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Paul, at this point, is in prison. And Paul is asking the Philippians to pray. They are praying for him, and Paul is saying, this gives me a sense of confidence. This gives me a sense of encouragement. This gives me a sense of comfort, knowing that you're praying for my safety. I believe that God is going to make this outcome positive. I believe that it's going to turn out the way God wants it to turn out. Whether I live or whether I die, I'm trusting that this is God's plan. And so he even says in Philippians 1.21, he said, for, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul was completely willing that he would die. And indeed, we know that he did that he was executed while in prison, but, he, but Paul was completely confident that people were praying for him and that God's plan would happen. So whether I live or whether I die, Christ would be exalted. The first step in this go-send partnership is prayer. Russ Mitchell said this. He said, prayer 
for the frontline worker is the best form of support. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19, Paul says this to the Ephesian church, Pray also for me, that whenever I speak words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. I love what Dick Eastman says. He says this, In no other way can the believer become as fully involved with God's work, especially the work of evangelism, as in intercessory prayer. Friends, in this Go Send partnership, the church, the believers in the church, we must pray for our missionaries. Here's activity number two, very important. <clears throat> we don't think of this all the time, but emotional support. I reached out to Dave Buckley, one of our missionaries, our missionary to Hungary. Dave was here, Dave and Carmi were here this fall. Um, that was before early winter. We're past early winter now, and we're in second summer, but, uh, or second fall. But, uh, but they were here early on in the fall. And uh, here's what Dave said to me about emotional support. He said, sometimes we missionaries feel isolated, removed from family and friends who we love. We've got a couple of families in the room right now that have missionaries in their families. And I, and I know that right now you're identifying with, with some of these thoughts and some of these words. To have an encouraging message, card, or email can make us feel that home is not that far away. Philippians chapter 2, verse 25, Paul says this, but I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. You see, when Paul was in prison, the Philippians were very concerned about him. They were concerned about his health and his welfare, his needs being met. And they did, uh, they did what any, what any um, parents of a college student would do. They sent a care package. And that care package uh, was in the form of a man called Epaphroditus. And I'm sure that they gave him a few things and said, here, take these things with you. I mean, when you send your kid a care package, what do you do? You give them like their favorite kind of, you know, snack and treat, make some home, you know, homemade cookies that they really like. And you put them all in there and you do things to make the kids feel really good. You know, and if you know they need something and then you put in a few bucks and, you know, stuff like that. Of course, nobody sends money that way anymore. You know, they just Venmo it and, you know, stuff like that. But but you do that. That's exactly what the Philippians did. And they said, Epaphroditus, you're going to take it to him. Now, in our prison system, you can't take care of somebody yourself that's in prison. But in this system, they were allowed to actually take care of somebody who was in prison. And so Epaphroditus actually was there and he could come and go because he wasn't in prison and he could take care of Paul's needs. He could minister to Paul, and Paul said, you, you've become my partner, you've become my fellow soldier, you have become something very close to me, my brother. And it really encouraged him. This topic of, of mental health has really, really grown in importance in our culture today. 
And this past spring, I got to uh, go to NMU for a, uh, a speaker that they brought in, and um, his name was David Woods Bartley. And, and Bartley said this. He said, the three most important things in mental health are this. And when somebody says that to me, I'm, I like lean in, okay? He said this, three most important things, connection, connection, and connection. He said connection causes hope and hope saves lives. And his story was he, he had written his suicide letter. He had left it on the dashboard of his car, he was parked on the highest bridge in his community, and he knew that jumping from that bridge would, would take his life. And he was standing on, on the, the rail ready to jump. And he hears a voice. It happened to actually be a police officer. But that officer was able to create a connection that was strong enough that that caused him to open his eyes and take a step back, and it saved his life. Bartley said this, the, the, the most powerful way that you can make a connection with someone. I couldn't believe this, this what he said. He said, it's a card. Nobody writes cards anymore. Let me change that. Very few people write cards anymore. Do you know what we do? We write emails, okay? Because I don't have to go out and buy a stamp. I don't have to get a special card or paper. I don't have to work. I could just fire it off, and boom, there it goes. But the truth of the matter is, the truth is, we don't even send emails. Do you know what we do? We text. We don't even use whole words. We, we don't type out the word R-A-R-E. We just use an R. We don't type out the word U, Y-O-U. We just use the letter U. Now, I, I can't do that. I'm sorry. I, I use punctuation in my texts. <laughs> That's just me. Um, but we, we don't, we don't, man, nobody, we don't, we just, everything is as short and as easy as it can possibly be. But Bartley said, if you want to really make a connection with somebody, send them a text. Send them something that's going to actually connect, a handwritten note. I talked to Greg Colgrove from Convoy of Hope, who we had here this summer, and and Greg said this about emotional support. He said, when I think of emotional support, I cannot stress enough the importance of friendship. Wow. That a missionary cares about friendship with people back here in the States. The Apostle Paul, he said, this is Greg again speaking, began many of his letters with the words, I thank God for you, and then ended... His letters with, I can't wait to see you. We are built for friends. Our missionaries need our friendship. They need our emotional support. When, um, when Brandon and Rachel um, were here at the beginning of this month, Rachel said that when she walked in, there were people that used her name. They knew who she was. 
and it meant a, a great deal to her as a missionary, that people know who they are. Our missionaries need our emotional support. Number three, and I hope you're tracking with me on this, that it's only going to make sense, that the third activity that, that our missionaries need, it, it's part of this model, is financial support. I asked Greg Colgrove this, uh, this same question, and he said, uh, every missionary will tell you that we cannot do what we do without prayer and financial support. I read some verses earlier from Philippians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, and Paul talked about how the Philippian church had sent him aid more than once when he was in need. That's what we have the opportunity to do on a regular basis with the missionaries that we support. Those people could not last one month without that support. I wish every missionary could say what Paul did in Philippians chapter 4 when he wrote in verse 18, I have received full payment and have more than enough. I'm amply supplied. That's what I wish every missionary could say. Regrettably, when they go to the field, over the course of the four years that they're on the field, their support slowly dwindles during that time. And then they come back to the U.S. for a year, and then what do they do? They have to travel around to churches and communicate with people and try to build that support back up again so that they can go out again only to have that support dwindle over the next four years again. Imagine what it would be like if you were placed in a foreign country with no support whatsoever, no relationship, no encouragement, no prayer, no financial support. How difficult that would be. And yet they go and they willingly say, God, I'll answer the call. Our missionaries answer that call and take the gospel around the world. The Darrens who are in Moldova. Man, one thing Troy's doing in Moldova is he's building churches. That's, that's something Troy is called to do. We have the Osbournes in Ukraine. We have the Buckleys in Hungary. We have Bob McKay in Georgia, not the state. We have Puff Paths in the Caribbean. We have the Jumps in Eurasia. We have the McClungs in Slovakia. We have Carol Fiegelson in Myanmar. We have the Edsons in Central Eurasia. We have Val Graves in Belgium. We've got our own Murray family who are traditioning back into Eurasia. And none of them can do it without financial support. And yet it is a sad fact that a missionary has to make 15 phone calls before he gets to talk to his first pastor, his or her first pastor. So what do we need to do? We need to estimate the cost. The first question we tend to ask is, what's this going to cost me? How much? Jesus said in Luke chapter 14, verse 28, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down, estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? Every one of these missionaries has counted the cost. And they need that, that, that cost for them. It's, there's a personal cost of, of their family, of their finances, of their future goals. And they are looking for partners like us to be able to be there so that the cost will ultimately be paid. They've answered the call. Now, will we estimate the cost and will we be there? 
You know, the, the wrong question for us to ask is how much will it cost me? The right question is what's going to happen if I don't? This missions partnership, it looks like a triangle. You have God, you have the missionary, and you have the church. God calls the missionary. The church sends the missionary. I know that if you're, if you're like me, you've been noticing in the mail, you know, that 403B or 401K, whatever your retirement plan is, that envelope comes in the mail. I got to be honest, lately I can't even open it up. Can't do it. Because on the news they say that that has probably gone down 25% in the last two months. I don't need that kind of news. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't want to open it up. But when we invest in the kingdom of God, when we invest in God's economy, it never goes down. It always gives a harvest of 30, 60, and 100 fold. When we give, when we send, when we invest in God's economy, there are eternal rewards. There are eternal harvests that take place. And people come into the kingdom of God and they are going to spend eternity in heaven and the, 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 the investment pays an eternal dividend. So when God says, go, our missionaries say, God, yes, I'll go. When God says send, what do we say? I think it's interesting when God called Jonah to go, Jonah went the opposite direction as fast and as far as he could go. When God called Moses, Moses said, Lord, send somebody else. I'm the wrong guy. And when God said in heaven, who will go for me? And Isaiah overheard it. Isaiah said, Lord, send me. As the church, we have the opportunity to say, God, let us send people. Let us be senders. God, God is more than likely, God's not going to call individually us to foreign lands. But he can use us to send others whom he has called. How exciting that we can be a part of Mission Critical to take the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. I want to close with one more quote from Oswald J. Smith in his book, Passion for Souls. I'm just going to be honest. It's, it's a heavy quote. But here's what he says. If God wills the evangelization of the world and you refuse to support missions, then you're opposed to the will of God. That's heavy. But I think we need to take a look at it. I think we need to say, God, how can I be a sender? And if God speaks and says, no, you're a goer, I want you to say yes to that too. Father, I thank you. I thank you for this model that your word gives us. I thank you that as we, we look at it, we see our place as the church. 
And we're so thankful that we have family and friends who have said yes to that. Lord, having, having said yes to that call the way they have, having gone, Father, I pray that we would be their prayer support. I pray that we would be their emotional support. I pray that we would be their financial support. And Father, that it would be something that we say, I am committed to doing for the long haul because this mandate, this mission that you have given us to go into all the world and preach the gospel is so important. Father, use us as your church to send the gospel of Jesus Christ into the world. In your name we pray.